Again, thanks for being here today. And uh, I just want to start by praying. Could we pray? Would you pray with me, please? Father, I just come to you in Jesus' name. And I ask, Holy Spirit, that you just anoint this message today. Lord, I just come to you in great need that you would be here, that this would be led by the Holy Spirit and not led by any person. We really do need you, Holy Spirit, and we depend upon you. And I pray that this church would understand that. And I pray that we as believers would really believe what we read when we read the word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would find a welcome place here, that our hearts would be sensitive and attuned and would be inviting you to come in and to lead us and to guide us and to comfort us and to give us your many gifts. So Holy Spirit, I just give you control. In Jesus' name. Amen. As we've stated before, we're going to begin a journey on studying the Holy Spirit. And this is a very intimidating yet joyful opportunity to do this. We're going to see how much the Holy Spirit, I believe, wants to have a relationship with us, personally and corporately. We often recognize how much Jesus suffered on the cross for us, don't we? We often thank him for his sacrifice, that he would leave heaven, come to earth as a baby, live a perfect life, go through a powerful ministry, heal many, deliver many, and then only to suffer and die a horrific death for our sin, right? So we recognize Jesus' sacrifices. And we often look at and we recognize God the Father's sacrifice because God the Father sent Jesus. God the Father felt the pain that Jesus felt because he watched him and he guarded him as he walked this life and he understood the pain that his son felt, just like you would feel the pain of your children when you see your children go through a hard thing. But we often don't see where the Holy Spirit fits in here. We often don't see where he gave up and what he sacrificed. And so therefore, we, maybe we don't see the necessity to associate our salvation with the Holy Spirit because we don't see his role in salvation necessarily. But does that mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't have much invested in our salvation? I don't think so. I think we're going to see that he has a great deal invested. And I hope that we find, as we study him, that we find that to be true. And last week we spoke in great detail about the Trinity and as great as we could understand it and probably confused a lot of people about it, but I pray that that concept will settle in. But truly God is one God, yet three persons, consisting of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. We also recognize that the Holy Spirit is as much God as as God the Father is 
God and as much as Jesus is God. Yet quite often, the Holy Spirit seems to be forgotten about or overlooked. Maybe unintentionally. Maybe we don't intentionally forget him. But there are times that I would suggest that maybe the Christian culture intentionally ignores the Holy Spirit because he's misunderstood, because he's feared. And so I hope that we can great break through that misunderstanding this week or, and as we begin this week and as we begin to talk about him, that we can um, understand that he truly loves us and he truly has a desire to be a part of our life and to lead our life and, to be, and that we would create a, a great hunger for him. Later today, we're going to speak about the role of the Holy Spirit in the church. What is the church? The church is not the building. The church is the people. We meet in a building called the church. But truly, the church is made up of people. And we're going to find that it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to empower the church. And it's his responsibility to um, influence the church to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit is all-powerful, just like God the, God the Father is all-powerful, but the Holy Spirit is constrained, listen to me, the Holy Spirit is constrained by one thing, even in his, his omniscience and his omnipotence. He's constrained by you and me. He's constrained because we don't let him go places in our life that he wants to go. And we don't let him have control of some things in our life that he wants to control. So therefore, even in his divinity and even in his omniscience and his omnipotence and his omnipresence, in his all-powerful nature, he's controlled by us. And I can just imagine that we hurt him. We grieve him. Remember, the Holy Spirit has emotions. He has feelings. He has desires, just like God the Father does, just like you and I do, because we're created in his image. So if we have emotions, they have emotions. If I can be disappointed, they can be disappointed. They can be let down. I, they have the same emotions. And I, I got to imagine that when we forget about the Holy Spirit and we forget about what his role is in our life, I got to imagine that we hurt him. And he feels, why? Why are you leaving me out? Why are you ignoring me when all I want to do is give you good gifts? I don't want to hurt you. I'm out to help you. I'm out to empower you. So I hope that we can recognize over the next few weeks that um, as much as we limit him, that we can also unlimit him by giving him the relationship that he desires. I don't want to frustrate him. I don't, I don't want him to look at me and say, Mike, why don't you let me into your life? Rather, I want to open him up my life to him. And I want to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to have control. So I want to give him the opportunity to give him the gifts that he so badly wants to give me and he wants to give this church. So as we begin this study on the Holy Spirit, I, I want to also make sure that we're understanding that we're pursuing the right things that we're pursuing the giver of the gifts and not the gifts. So many times, people in the Pentecostal movement, which we're part of, sometimes we chase the gifts more than the giver. Sometimes we chase the experiences and the emotional release more than the giver of that emotional release. 
And I want to make sure that we understand that our reason for talking about the Holy Spirit is not to um, do anything other than to allow him control in our life to bring us into a closer relationship with Jesus. And however he uses the gifts that he has that we would that he would so willingly give us, that we're not just seeking the gifts to have gifts for gift's sake. Yet we use every gift that he gives us to lead each other closer to Jesus and into this world for those that don't know Jesus, that we could show them the path. Does that make sense? Are you okay with me as we go that way? Because that's truly my heart. As we talk about God, we know that God is the creator and that we are the creation. And, you know, and that, as a created being, guys, it only makes sense. Doesn't it really only make sense that I would, ha- I would want to have a desire with he who created me? Why would I not want to have a desire with the creator? If I know that he created me, why wouldn't I want to have a relationship with him? There should never be a time that we, would sh- that we should say, God, I have enough of you. I have too much of you. We should never, ever look at a time where we, where we say we've arrived at a point where we need no more of God. That just doesn't make sense. Francis Chan, he's an author, a good author. He wrote a book about the Holy Spirit called, and he titled it, The Forgotten God. And in his book, he says this. He says, some of you would like it if I said we were going to find a healthy balance between unhealthy extremes. That's not what we're going to do. When we are referring to God, balance is a huge mistake. God is not just one thing we add to, mix, to a mix called life. He wants an invitation from us to permeate everything and every part of us. In the same way, seeking a healthy balance of the Holy Spirit assumes that there are some of you who have too much Holy Spirit and others who have too little. I have yet to meet anyone with too much Holy Spirit. Granted, I've met many who talk about him too much, but none who are actually overfilled with his presence. We're not going to go down the path of extremism here, folks. I don't want you to get nervous about this, but I think that we as believers should admit that we can never get too much of God. We can never get too much of the Holy Spirit's presence. He's an infinite God with an infinite amount of resources, and we will never, ever, ever get too much of him. Our goal in life every day should be that we should live with a desire and expectation to draw closer in our relationship with God. Through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, James instructs us in chapter 4, verse 8, he says, and when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. Did you hear that? When you draw close to God, God will draw close to you. So wash your hands, you sinners, and let your hearts be filled with God alone to make them pure and true to him. It should be the natural thing. If, I'm, if you are born again, if the Holy Spirit is living in, in you because you're born again, it should be a natural desire for you to want to draw closer to God on a daily basis. And the Holy Spirit is the agent that's given to us in this world to be that agent of God that draws us closer to him. If in your spirit you're feeling a, a, a resistance, then there's some things you need to check in your spirit. If you're not finding yourselves being naturally drawn 
to the Bible, naturally, naturally drawn to worship, naturally drawn to things, then there's some things that need to be modified in your life because once you accept Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells and lives within you, you're a new creation. And your new creation should want to hunger after the Holy Spirit. So this morning, here are some questions for you. Here's some good questions for us. That today, as we are studying the person of the Holy Spirit, here's some questions to ask of ourselves. How much of a relationship with him do I want? Is it truly my desire to draw close to him? Am I hungry for more of him? Am I hungry? Are you hungry for Jesus? Are you hungry for the Holy Spirit? Are you desiring more of him every day? But I think another question that we should ask ourselves is, how am I limiting him? How am I limiting his power in my life? That's a, th- that's a big question, folks. And you might say, well, I'm not limiting the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're not. But I find myself to be sometimes. I'll be honest. I, I'm not going to walk here and tell you that I'm perfect in my, in my heart for the Lord. There are times when I have to control Mike. I have to control my thoughts. We spoke about it a few weeks ago, but we have to take every thought captive. Why does the Bible talk about things like that? Because true believers have to understand they're in a battle. And we have to make sure that we truly are putting ourselves in a position that we're creating a hunger for ourselves. But we have a battle with the flesh all the time. So these are good questions to ask ourselves on a daily basis. Don't let yourself off the hook here. Don't say, oh, I've got enough of God and I'm going to just sit back where I'm comfortable. These are the questions that we can ask ourselves to, to check ourselves and our, and our spirit. And I think that one of the reasons that we have a hard time maybe truly surrendering ourselves totally, totally to the Holy Spirit is because we're not sure what it's going to look like when he takes over. We're not sure what it's going to be like. We're, we're a little a bit of afraid. We're intimidated with that level of commitment that we're actually going to ask the Holy Spirit to come in and to control me. We kind of like to control things, don't we? We kind of like to control our environment. We kind of like to control our feelings. We kind of like to control all our, 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 our desires. And I know that there are some that will say, well, I'm afraid of the, the counterfeit Holy Spirit, and I'm afraid of the experience that some have had. And, and I will say there are counterfeit experiences with the Holy Spirit, but I'm telling you, though, that because there's counterfeit doesn't mean the real doesn't exist. So I'm asking us to seek the real. We'll talk more about the counterfeit later. Maybe we enter into a relationship with the Holy Spirit with the mindset that we will find, as Francis Chan was talking about, that healthy balance. And then I'll find that comfortable spot where I'm, I don't have to challenge myself anymore with growing closer because I, I'm comfortable in my relationship. I'm comfortable with how close I am, and I don't want to get any more uncomfortable. I don't want to challenge myself, so I just say I'm comfortable, I'm good, leave me alone. And I, can I say that if that is in your heart, because I will be honest, there has been times when it's been in my heart that way, and the Lord has convicted me greatly about that. God is not interested in a half-in, half-out attitude. Any more than Jesus was half-committed to dying on the cross. He was fully in 
to what his mission was here on earth, wasn't he? He was fully committed, even though in the Garden of Gethsemane he prayed, Father, if this cup can be taken away, take it away. But nevertheless, your will be done. He didn't look for the easy way out. He said, I will go to the extreme. I will go to the full measure of providing the sacrifice for sin for people that he loved. That's you and me. So if that's the way Jesus did it, do you, can you understand that's what our commitment should be towards him? Why would he be pleased with a half-hearted attitude? How can he be pleased with a person that says, I'm in when I'm in, I'm out when I'm out. I want to play the game over here. I'll play this game when I'm in church, but when I'm with my friends outside, I want to do what my friends are doing. That's not what Jesus did, and that's not what he's pleased with. Don't let the enemy convince you that you can play the game of Christianity half in and half out. You're in or you're out. I go back to Francis Chan. He says, perhaps when a person says, I'd like a little God, thank you very much. What the person is really saying is, I'd rather not give parts of my life that I really care about over to God. So I'll just hold on to this and that and, oh, that too. (laughs) Do you get the drift? I just want a little bit of God because I want to feel just enough to be safe. I want to get in just good enough to get into heaven, but I'm not into this Holy Spirit stuff. I'm not into being sold out for the Holy Spirit because I don't know what he's going to make me do. And, he makes me, and it makes me afraid. It doesn't work that way, folks. Scripture says that the life that is pleasing to God is one that is wholly surrendered to and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Now, can you see how the enemy would be motivated to hinder and prevent a person from making this level of commitment. Can you see the, whole, the, the role of the devil here? The role of your flesh? The enemy will do everything he can to draw us away from a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because he knows that if I develop a close relationship with the Holy Spirit, that I will defeat the enemy in my life that he will not have the control of my life anymore. That if I can truly get to that point where I allow the Holy Spirit to have his freedoms in me and he allows to have his control of me, that I will not fall to the temptation of my flesh any longer. Not because I'm so strong, it's because the Holy Spirit is so strong. That's why I need to be dependent upon him. As I was praying about this this week, I was reminded about our role compared to the Holy Spirit's role as I embark on this journey of relationship with him. Because if you're like me, which you probably are, I'm no different than most of you here, we all have the tendency to have to control things and understand things before I accept things as real. I I have to understand I have, to, um, I have to be able to figure it out. And I think one of the problems that I have because of that is that I have a hard time believing that the Holy Spirit can do what he says he wants to do because I don't understand how he's going to do it. Make sense? 
Here's an example. I mean, if I went back and I, I did it this morning, I turned a light switch on. How many turned a light switch on this morning? All right, everybody besides Mr. Jensen, how many can understand how the light came on when you turned the light switch on? How many can explain how the energy, the electricity was created and how it somehow through those wires either above ground or underground, got into your house, and how by flipping that switch on, the, that thing you can't even see, called electricity, somehow hit the filaments in your light bulb, created heat and light, and all of a sudden light came on. See, if I had to think that through every time I turned a light switch on, I would never turn a light switch on. How many of you got in your car this morning and turned the radio on, and all of a sudden there was music coming out of this little box? Can you explain to me how that happened? How those sound waves were somehow created by somebody back singing in a microphone and that microphone got turned into a recording somehow, some way, and it got into vinyl records? Can you explain that one away? Can, you under, can we explain all this stuff away, but yet we don't have a problem playing with technology. We don't have a problem turning light switches on or listening to our radio but as soon as it comes to the Holy Spirit and saying, I'm going to believe that you're going to do what you say you're going to do, I say, wait a second. I don't understand that, therefore I don't believe that. Or I'm afraid of that. I want to get us through the fear of what the Holy Spirit's going to do, and I don't have to, I don't have to understand it. That doesn't diminish the fact that you read the Word. It doesn't diminish the fact that you become a scholar of God's Word. I'm not trying to say be ignorant. I'm not trying to say just, you know, faith is not stupid. Faith is not uneducated. You can be very educated and still have faith to believe that God created the sciences, that God created the mathematicians. God created the universe just as he did, and everything works out just as he planned. It was his scientific knowledge that allowed that to happen. So faith doesn't diminish that. It doesn't mean that I give up on education. It means that I know who the source of the education is, and it should make me want to worship him even more. So as I was praying, the role of the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, Mike, relax. All you have to do is make yourself available to me, and I'll do the rest. Relax. Don't worry about it. Just invite me in. <laughs> Just invite me in, and I'll handle it. I'll take care of it. You don't need to understand it. Wow. What a relief that was to me. It took such a load off my shoulders that I don't have to understand how he heals. I don't understand how he gives peace. I don't have to understand how he gives wisdom and knowledge. I don't, understand, I don't have to understand how he gives me the words to speak when I don't know what to speak. When I'm with somebody, I'm trying to share Jesus, and I don't know what to say. All he's got to say is, relax, let me in, and I'll speak. I'll give you the words to speak. I'll give you the words to say. More importantly, I'll give you the way to live. I'll give you the strength to get through the temptations. I'll give you the strength to know when to say no thank you or to say yes, I'll do that, whatever that is. See, the Holy Spirit's role is to do the work. My role is to be available. Wow. What an earth-shattering concept. I think many 
one of the main reasons that people get nervous about the Holy Spirit and when you start talking about him is because it creates the fear in a person that they may have to do something as a result of the Holy Spirit's leading. They may have to do something. What happens if I speak and another language comes out of my mouth? What happens? What happens if I speak and somebody gets healed? What happens if I speak and peace fills the room? What happens if I speak recognizing that it's not me that's speaking, it's the Holy Spirit that's speaking? And all of a sudden, people are delivered from the domain of the devil. What happens if it, what happens? See, again, our flesh screams at us to say, don't go there. Don't go there because you don't know what's going to happen. Hmm. So it's easier for us just to say, no thank you. It's easier for us to say, my faith is private, my faith is personal, thank you very much. Don't expect me to go any further because I have my own personal faith. And I will agree with you. It is your own personal salvation. It is your own personal space. But you still need to produce fruit. There still must be fruit in your life, no matter how personal, no matter how private your salvation is. There still must be fruit in your life. It's by your fruit you will be known. If you don't have fruit in your life because you're personal and private, that just tells me you're making excuses. And it's telling the Holy Spirit you're making excuses. John chapter 15, this is a great passage. John chapter 15. I need somebody to read it for me. I'm talking too much. Who wants to read this for me? You can read that, can't you? Chad? I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So can you see being a fruit bearer is an important part of your Christian life. What did, what did we just read? That if there's no fruit on that branch, what happens to that branch? It's cut off. It's pruned. Gathered up. And burned. <laughs> not a good thing if you're not bearing fruit. So yes, you're 
spiritual life and your salvation is personal and private, but if there's no fruit there, can I just cut to the chase and maybe ask you to ask yourself, am I even really saved? Because I'm at great risk of being gathered up, pruned off, gathered up and thrown into the fire because there's no fruit. Now, what is fruit? What is the fruit that we're talking about? What is your life known to be? What are people going to say about you at your funeral? There's fruit. There's a t-shirt that says, don't live your life in a way that you make the preacher lie about you at your funeral. <laughs> we talked about that a little bit. Read, reading obituaries. How many obituaries have you ever read and said, what? Really? Am I reading about the right guy? That's fruit. How do people think of you? What do they know of you? How do they see you live your life when you're not in church? When you're not with the pastor or when you're not with your Christian buddies, what are they saying about you? What are you living? What's the fruit of your life then? That's fruit. How many people have you talked to Jesus about this week? That's fruit. How many people have you invited to church this week? That's fruit. How many people have gone to church? Don't raise your hands. For a long time. And never invited a friend. Okay. Where are you going to be? When the, when the gardener comes and looks at your fruit, what's he going to see? What's he going to see on your limb? That's fruit. I tell you this because I love you. Maybe we all need to get up a little bit earlier in the morning and spend some time in prayer. Have you ever thought about that? You ever thought about maybe I need to spend more time in prayer? That's where you're getting fruit. That's where fruit comes from. How am I limiting God? How am I reducing, inhibiting the fruit in my life? That's the role of the Holy Spirit. We submit to him and be available so that we can be fruit bearers. We need to be active, and we need to be moving. The old saying is, a ship that isn't moving can't be steered true. If you're stalled, a stalled ship sitting on the ocean can't be steered, can't be, he's just blown about by the waves. A car not moving can't be steered. You have to be moving. There has to be a desire to be moving in the same thing with our kingdom work. We can't be sitting on the sidelines and then say, okay, God, do something in me, but I'm not willing to move. So we have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Let's, let's see what Jesus did and how the Holy Spirit impacted the life of Jesus. Jesus said some really powerful things about the role of the Holy Spirit. And the role of the Holy Spirit was very active in the life of Jesus. The Holy Spirit built upon his life. The Holy Spirit took what Jesus started in his three-year ministry and built upon that for an eternal ministry. See, Jesus lived. He had disciples. He had created great relationships with people. 
He died to their great dismay. I mean, can you imagine the disappointment to the disciples when Jesus was on the cross? But yet he rose again three days later. Jesus came back to life. He came back and he spent up to 40 days here on this earth seeing his disciples being known and being seen by many people to fulfill the prophecies about his life. His disciples are probably thinking, okay, he's back. Great, we got him back. Only to find out that he says, guys, I'm still going. (laughs) I've got to ascend to my Father in heaven. But here's the deal. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. He says, but I'm going to send somebody to you that is going to be with you forever and ever and ever in a way that I can't be because Jesus was a man one-on-one. He could be in one spot at one time. But when he went to heaven, he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, the comforter to you that can be with you all places, all times, in all situations, and he will be your comforter. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17. It says, if you love me, obey me. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. And he will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world at large cannot receive him, for it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you do, for he lives with you now and someday shall be in you. Jesus was encouraging his disciples to say, guys, I have to go away, but when I go, I'm sending, the Father in heaven is going to send the Holy Spirit to you, the third member of the Trinity, that for often forgotten God, he's coming, he's coming to be with you now, and he's going to be with you forever. For John 14, 25, and 26, Jesus says, I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you, but when the Father sends the Comforter instead of me, And by the Comforter, I mean the Holy Spirit. He will teach you much, as well as remind you of everything I myself have told you. So the the role of the Holy Spirit now coming in the place of Jesus is to be our Comforter and the leader to the newly formed church. Because the Holy Spirit's role is to activate the members of the church. Again, we can only anticipate what the enemy's attack here was. The enemy was totally against the Holy Spirit coming and being part of the church. It's his role to do anything he can to make the Holy Spirit a scary topic and something to avoid and something to um, keep us afraid of developing a relationship with him. We know that the world can't see him. Jesus said it, that the world at large cannot receive him for it isn't looking for him. The Holy Spirit is not coming to have relationship with the world, listen to me, what he's coming to do is give conviction to the world so that, he, so that the world then can have relationship through him into Jesus. So the world's not going to recognize him. The world's going to think it's weird. You're going to be considered weird. If you follow the Holy Spirit, people are going to look at you cross-eyed. They're going to look at you a little bit dumbfounded because they don't understand what's in you. But that's okay. Don't worry about that. That's fruit. You're bearing fruit by sh- living a life that is strange to them that is proof that the Holy Spirit is living in you because you're not compromising with the world activities anymore. That you're setting yourself apart. That's part of it. But I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit wants to be part of a church and how he's going to lead the church. Now what's the church? The church is you and me. The church is people. Like I said at the beginning, it's not the building. We know that the church is made up of people, and we know that when there, whenever there's people in the room, it's going to get weird. 
Whenever there's more than one or two people in a room, there's going to be disagreements, there's going to be dissension, there's going to be problems, there's going to be issues, we're going to let each other down. There's going to be weirdness, there's going to be fakeness, there's going to be all kinds of stuff that aren't gonna, it's not going to be good because we're just people. I get that. And every person has a right to their opinion, by the way. Do you know that? Every person has a right to their opinion. But let me say this. Just because you have an opinion doesn't mean it's fact. And no matter how strong your opinion is, it doesn't change the facts. The facts are in God's word. This is not opinion. This is a fact. My opinions about this don't change it. My opinions about what the Bible says doesn't change the truth of God's word. The Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. The Holy Spirit comes to us and helps us discern this. It's alive and it's, a, it's breathing. It's, it's an active word and it divides the marrow. It divides right down into the bone. And if we live the whole, with the Holy Spirit, with his involvement, with his in, invitation to help make this word alive in our life, he will. Don't let opinions mess you up. Many people have been hurt by the church and have been let down by the church because somebody in the church had a poor opinion and people followed the opinion rather than the facts. So put away the opinions. Listen to what the Lord is saying through the, through the truth of God's word, and that's what the Holy Spirit's role is. He is to help us. As he works through a group of people, it's his role to lead us into truth. The church is very important. Did you know that? The church is very important to, to Jesus. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now that the church is Jesus' idea. Matthew chapter 16, 18, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock, this is Jesus speaking, I will build my church. Whose church? Is it Peter's church? Was it Peter's idea to say, Jesus, let's build a church together, and you and I can build it together? No. Jesus' idea was to build the church, and he built it on people, Peter being one of them. You and I are the other part of it. We're the little rocks, too. He's building this church on you and I today through the power of the Holy Spirit, and the power of the Holy Spirit is to protect the church, and this main, one of his main responsibilities is to nurture the church and to help grow the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, since you are so anxious to have special gifts from the Holy Spirit, ask him for the very best for those that will be of real help to the whole church, to the whole body of believers. The Holy Spirit's role is to help build up the church. And what I find that's so interesting that's happening right now in the demographics of America, if the church is Jesus' idea, which it is, if the Holy Spirit's role, one of his main roles is to guard and protect and grow the church, isn't it interesting that we're having a fall-off in church attendance across the country. The consistency of church attendance. People are saying today, if I go to church once or twice a month, I'm a regular. Nonsense. Can I just say it? Nonsense. You can't go to church one or two times a month and then be confident that you're growing in the Lord. Because where are you getting your nourishment from? I eat every day. In fact, I eat three times a day, maybe more. I'm not going to eat once a month, twice a month, and be happy. And that's my body. I'm talking about my spirit man 
who needs nourishment from the Word of God, and I get that quite often in church, because where else do you get it from? Can I just ask you the question? Where else do you get Bible teaching from? Do you get it at your place of employment? Do you get it with the boys around the coffee table? Sometimes, maybe. But where do you get real truth? Where do you get it? You find a church that believes in the Bible and preaches the Bible, and that's where you get it, for the most part. Yeah, you can get it online. You can get it on, there's a lot of good preachers that stream their messages, and that's good. I encourage you to go there. I encourage you to watch as many as you can through the week. But don't let that replace your involvement in a local church because this is where the Holy Spirit dwells. This is where he wants to activate you in your local church. Going to church will never save you, I will say that. It's not to be a legalistic mandate that you just go to church and you're saved. I guarantee you that's not true. It's more than just going to church. We all know that. It's a relationship with Jesus that saves us. But when it comes down to it, if I don't have a hunger for Jesus, I'm probably not going to be consistent in my church attendance. I know this is getting kind of in your knickers a little bit here. It's okay. I've been in people's knickers before, and I've lived. And I'll live again. But I say it because I love you. Can I just say that? I'm not angry. I'm not hollering at anybody. I'm just saying, guys, we need to be consistent because that's where the Lord is. That's where the Holy Spirit is. I will also say the responsibility falls on the church as well to be receptive to people. I just can't say, guys, it's your responsibility to be in church without me taking responsibility to make sure that you're, that you're fed here. If there's nothing going on in church that feeds you, then why go? Seriously. If you're not getting fed here, if you're not getting challenged here, if you're not being led into a closer relationship with the Lord here, then why go? And that puts the pressure back on me and Jackie and the worship leaders, and our Sunday school teachers, and Hannah and Tyler, Pastor Hannah and Tyler, for our children. i got to tell you, I have as much skin in the game as you do. I have as much responsibility as you do. In fact, I'm going to stand before the Lord and give responsibility for this. I'm going to give an account for this church. And he's going to say, Mike, I gave you responsibility, and I'm going to say, Father, I did the best. I'm gonna, I hope I can say this. I did the best I could do. That's what keeps me up at night. Because what are we doing? What are we not doing here, folks? What are we not doing? Why isn't this church busting at the seams? Now, I'm not looking for numbers. I'm looking for busting at the seams with the Holy Spirit. Why isn't the Holy Spirit involved with every service? Why aren't we, why aren't we worshiping Him every service like it was our last? Why do we come in and be so complacent in our worship either the church isn't full of the Holy Spirit either I'm not and it's my responsibility to lead so either I'm not doing my part or you're not doing your part or both I have a responsibility you have a responsibility. We need to take that responsibility seriously, not take the responsibility, not take the role of the Holy Spirit, but we need to make sure that we're available for the Holy Spirit. I need to make sure that I come before him every day and say, Father, I give you my life. Holy Spirit, come in and 
activate yourself in my life. Holy Spirit, come in and anoint my life. Anoint my words, anoint my activities, anoint everything I do. That's what I need to do on a regular basis, and I will tell you that's what you need to do. And if we're not doing it, we're only playing a game. And we will be one of those branches that will be cut off and burned in the fire. I would love to say that everybody in this church is going to go to heaven in the rapture. But I don't know. I don't know. Wow. Jack, you better come and uh, play a song, Jackie. Make us happy. <laughs> I will say, guys, there is great joy in the Holy Spirit. I know I'm getting a little heavy here. But that's okay. I'm supposed to get a little heavy here because I know there's joy in the end. I know there's a reason that we're doing this and the reason's right. And I know my heart is real in this. And I truly want to invite you to, as we begin to continue to um, explore the fruit of the Spirit and what He's going to do in our lives, I don't want you to be afraid of Him anymore. I don't want you to fear the Holy Spirit. I want you to invite him into your life and, and, and anticipate things are going to they're going to amaze you what comes out of your mouth. They're going to amaze you at the things that happen because you've invited the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Would you stand with me? If you're comfortable, would you come down to the front with me? There's just power down here, guys. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, there's power right here. I want you to sing this song, and I want to encourage you to open up your life, and I want you to put your fears away. And I want you to put your inhibitions away. And I, want you to say, and I just want you to say, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me with the gift that you have for me today. filling my heart, what good is he? I want the Holy Spirit to fill my heart. And let's just sing this chorus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Fill this heart, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Shekinah glory 
We need your presence. We need you. Holy Spirit, fill this my heart. heart. Sing it again with your hands lifted. Fill my Holy heart. Shine a glory sweet perfume. We need your presence. We need you. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. We need your presence. We need you. Holy Spirit. One more time. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Shekinah glory, sweet perfume. We need your presence. We need you. Holy Spirit, fill my heart. Father, fill our hearts today with your Holy Spirit's power. Fill it up, Jesus. Lord, just take control of us. Help us to truly understand what that means and help us to not be afraid of what you do for us because you are a good, good spirit. You are a Holy Spirit that fills us with your love and your mercy and your passion and your compassion and your love. So we invite you here, Holy Spirit, beginning today. Lord, help us as we go to our homes and of our place of businesses this week. Continue to be with us. Bring this reminder back to us that we would constantly welcome you here. Fill us, Holy Spirit. Fill us, Holy Spirit.